You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Good morning, church. So glad you're all here this morning. Um, yeah, it's just nothing like the gathering of God's people. Um, I want you all to just um, make every effort possible to be here the next couple weeks because the Lord is, uh, is doing something on multiple fronts. One is we're going to be announcing some very important things for the future of our church uh, next week and the weeks following. And I just want you all to, to hear it out of the proverbial horse's mouth. And I'd rather you uh, be a part of it here live in, per- in person. You can obviously catch it. Uh, catch it online as well, but um, these next couple of weeks are very important in terms of like things that the Lord has been bur- brewing and stirring in our church leadership for quite some time, well over a year in the, in the making, and so um, so they're important. And so those family like times as family when those things come out, it's just really really important. And then on top of that, the twenty fourth, the Lord has really just connected us with a general in the church globally, Bob Gladstone in a way that um, he's going to actually be here with us Sunday morning, Sunday night, August, uh, October 24th. And that may not be a name to you, but I, I just guarantee you that he is uh, just one of God's choice men in this hour that uh, the Lord is speaking through in amazing ways. And uh, the Lord connected us with him uh, in a way that allowed him to come and be with us. And it kind of blew me away that it worked out. Um, and so... October 24th is going to be a strategic morning for us as well. So just be here. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, I want us to hear from one of our very own missionaries. Um, Shelby Chizik is here from the Netherlands. She floats. Yeah, yes. She flew in this morning to be with us. No, she's been back. She kind of surprised, uh, surprised us with her presence Last Sunday, she's been back for a couple of weeks. She's been on the field now for a year. And, uh, you know, when, I, when the entire world was shutting down and going into lockdown, she was on her knees trying to find every creative way possible to get overseas, uh, to get uh, abroad to this call the Lord had put on her life to go to the Netherlands, to join with missionaries from our very own church family, Josh and Angela Allen, who you guys heard from in August. Uh, they are there. They've pioneered a Chi Alpha, what they call, what they call uh, Students for Christ, which is Chi Alpha in Europe. They, they planted that in Rotterdam, and, and now they're planting a church. The Lord's just moving. And in what we think of as dark Europe, you know, way post, post-Christian, secularized Europe, the Lord is moving. There are hungry hearts there, and the Lord is bringing his word uh, to bear on people's hearts and lives. And so the Lord connected Shelby with them, and she said yes to Jesus. And she's there in the midst of a very difficult uh, time to be abroad. And so I thought it'd be amazing for us to hear from, from Shelby. Shelby, will you share with us just kind of what's gone on this last year and just give us an update? Yeah, so it is an honor to be with you guys this morning. It's honestly just surreal as well. Um, I consider LifePoint, my family, who adopted me back in 2017 when my life got flipped in front of my eyes. Crazy. Um, but yeah, as I was praying about what encouragement to share with you guys this morning, what I felt the Lord really pressed on my heart was to give you guys a full circle of getting to the Netherlands and what I mean by that. And so, uh, Josh, if you want to throw up this photo... Many of you guys know, if you know me or don't know me, a big way God confirmed getting me to the Netherlands 
was through images he started showing me back in November of 2018. I started drawing, filling my journals. Then I met the Allens in 2019 and found out um, exactly where the picture was located. And so I ended up moving to Rotterdam in October of 2020. And it was in March of 2021 when I got to stand before this image for the first time. And it truly took my breath away of seeing an image I'd already saw. But the image got way more beautiful um, the moment I got to see the full picture. So, uh, Josh, if you want to change that photo. Um, I got to see the full image of why I was actually there. It wasn't anything to do with the windmills, but it was being surrounded by these individuals I was called to share my life with and love. And it was in this moment that I got the first glimpse of what it truly meant for me, of what it meant to see joy beyond my cross. And what I mean of like picking up our crosses daily, it's not fun, and dying to the desire of being with my family and everything I'd ever known. And seeing the joy that is far much greater than that is watching these individuals come into relationship with the Lord, being transformed in his presence. And uh, that picture got greater a few weeks later. Um, My friend in the far uh, right over there. Yeah, that's right. Maybe for you guys it's different. But anyway, she's the other red sweatshirt. And she came up to me and she said, thank you, Shelby. And I was like, for what? She said, for coming. You don't understand, but you carry a light that I've never seen anyone else carry here, talking about the darkness of Europe. And she said, because you came, I now have got to see that light, and I get to carry it as well. And I get to share it with those around me. Um, And she does. She takes it everywhere. She even has a call back to her home country now. Um, But I just want to share with you guys the joy of truly uh, living on mission for the Lord. I'm so excited. I head back next week uh, to do this work at the Allens. And I want to thank you guys for uh, just being my loving family, uh, the equipping church, uh, uh, giving people, and uh, prayer warriors. It is so much fun to do this work with you guys. Amen. Thank you, Shelby. We say thank you, Lord. We also just honor and cheer you on as well, Shelby. We're so proud of you. I remember when Shelby came in as a freshman at Iowa State, and uh, she didn't know which way was which, and the Lord just wrecked her life, and so excited to see the call of God now just coming uh, to bear fruit in such beautiful ways in your life. Could you all just stand in this place? I feel like there's moments like this where God gives us glimpses of how he weaves together his beautiful story for his glory, and we've had it on our hearts so much to be ascending church, to be so like generous and not trying to build something unto ourselves, but to give and to give and ascend and ascend and, and Shelby becomes such a living testimony of that. And so I want us to pray over Shelby and the work in the Netherlands, but also allow this to be like a prophetic moment of what we believe is to come in the days where the Lord is calling people to go. And we're going to just, we're going to do everything we can to sacrificially send them. So Lord, we thank you for this work upon this woman of God work of transformation, the work of your gospel that just screams um, the beauty of who you are and your work in people's lives to take us from the ashes and to prop us up with princes, to, to call, it, call people with a destiny and a purpose upon their lives. And we just say, give us more, give us more, more people who say yes, no matter the cost, no matter what the cross is that you're calling them to, to pick up, 
um, that they would just say yes. So we're asking for a generation and a tribe of people that say yes to giving, to praying, to going uh, for the sake of your gospel. Lord, that our hearts would not be content with those who have gathered here, that our hearts would long to, to be in alignment with your heart for, for those that are not yet here, for the one, uh, to go out and find that one and to give ourselves for that um, for, for that, that which is on your hearts. So I pray that. Give us more in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Love you, Shelby. Awesome. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and uh, turn to Romans chapter 10. I, I want to I share a quick teaching with you. Many times I preach and exhort us and then call us to action. And this morning, I want to give more of a clarifying teaching to hopefully equip, equip us all in these days to come. Um, last week, I talked about this phrase that Jesus, peculiar phrase that Jesus uses in the Gospels, and then he uses it again in the book of Revelation as he's talking to the churches. And he says, to the one who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he's not just talking about vibrations in the air. He's talking about hearing with our spiritual ears, hearing in our hearts. And so last week we talked about that, the importance of that for the initiation of our faith, to be born again, that we need to hear him rightly. Otherwise, we, t- we talked about three things that kind of what's at stake. Otherwise, we're going to add unneeded burdens upon our life. It's called religion. It's called legalism. It's called dead works. Um, or we'll get puffed up with knowledge and information, which if we don't hear rightly, if we don't hear with our hearts and we just hear with our heads, we're just going to be puffed up with knowledge. And there can actually be, it could, we can actually make it more difficult for us to receive what the Lord has for us. Um, or we can end up making a Jesus that, that suits our desires, which is all too uh, prevalent in our culture today. Uh, we hear what we want to hear from the message of Jesus, and we end up creating a God that looks a lot like us and looks nothing like himself. Um, so we need to have ears to hear. That's the way into the kingdom, and that is our way of life now in the kingdom. And so we talked about it last week, how we continue as we began that's, that was our way into the kingdom, receiving like children, and that's actually how we continue in this walk, in this life with Jesus. And I just believe this is so critical in these days, these, these days where there's a shaking happening on the earth. There is um, so much confusion and chaos, and there's a real separation happening between, between light and darkness, between uh, the, things of Lord, the things of righteousness and things of unrighteousness. And all the more it's needed for the people of God to be attentive to what the Lord is saying, for us to have ears to hear. So I want to give some teaching on that to make it uh, practical, to make sure that I'm equipping our church family and what that can mean for our daily life, some of the pragmatic stuff. So let's look at Romans chapter 10 where Paul is talking about the, con- the context here in Romans chapter 10 is giving um, us understanding of the role of Israel in God's redemptive plan, that God chose to raise up a nation and a people to reveal his law, to reveal his best ways for humanity to thrive. Uh, and what he calls that here is righteousness through the law that shows us the right way of living um, for which he created for all, all of humanity. We see that in the old covenant as revealed through Israel. But also through Israel came this one, this Messiah, this Christ, uh, who fully fulfilled every iota of the law at, in, at the spirit level so that he could actually take our place and be the sufficient sacrifice. And 
therefore opened up a doorway for us to place our faith in him, and that becomes righteousness through faith. So he sets up this kind of dichotomy of righteousness through the law versus righteousness through faith. And I want to give a clarity of really our need for both. Um, We need an understanding of God objectively by the reading of words, but we also need this righteousness that comes through personal revelation to our hearts, like we talked about last week, but we'll give it some life to our daily lives as well. So let's look at this, starting in verse 8, Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what does it say, speaking of this righteousness through faith, through, through the gospel of Jesus Christ? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. So the righteousness of the law was far off. It actually make us, make, makes us all feel very distant from God. That's the purpose of the law. It actually shows how much separation there is between us and a holy God. But he says the word of God, this word, this faith of, that comes through righteousness, all of a sudden is pl- implanted into our hearts. God actually came and inserted himself amongst, amongst humanity and actually comes and lives amongst us. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Verse nine, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So like we talked about last week, that's the way into the kingdom is that revelation that that the word of God comes comes and is planted in our hearts, gives us the grace to be able to confess him as Lord. Verse 10, for with the heart, one believes and is justified and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Verse 11, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. But there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, so how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Shelby, we we thank God for you. Thank you that you are sent to go. And we say, beautiful are your feet. Uh, Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith comes through hearing the word of Christ, hearing with our spiritual ears, hearing with our heart. So I want to bring this full circle because in verse 8, it says the word of God is near you. In verse 17, it says the word comes to us, this revelation to our hearts comes to us by hearing. And that's, that gives the fuel for our faith. As we were initiated into this kingdom, so we continue in this kingdom. So I want to give some clarity to what Paul is saying here. Because uh, so much is often lost as we, as we translate things from the Greek into the English. And so whenever possible, I default to teaching directly from the, the English translations for us. But there's times where that just doesn't do it justice. And this is one of those moments. This passage is one of those moments where the English translation just doesn't capture the beauty of what God is saying, the truth of what God is saying. Um, And it's specifically in the word that we translate to word of God. And and so I want to clarify, define these terms. Here in Romans chapter 10, the word that's translated to word of faith or word of God is this word, rhema. Oftentimes, what we think of uh, when we think of the word of God, like the written word of God, 
the Bible, the objective revelation of God, it's the word logos. Most, transla- most times the Greek word is the word logos that's translated to, to word. But 17 times in the New Testament, it's translated, uh, the Greek word is, is rhema, that's translated to word of God. So what is the distinguishing difference between the logos word of God and the rhema word of God? Well, I, I want to make, make this very clear because this is, this is, these are matters of daily life. Both are needed. Both the Logos word of God and the Rhema word of God are needed for our life now in Christ. As we began, let us continue. So this Logos word of God is the word of God that's literally available to all of humanity. It's this objective revelation of God to all of humanity. It's the, it's the declaration of, of uh, the statement of faith of who we are, what Christianity is. It's John 3.16 that you see plastered at football games. People see it. For some, it goes in one ear, out the other. It's still the Logos word of God. But for others, it penetrates deep into their hearts. And they don't read John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Some people hear that, and it is not just words on a, on a billboard or on a screen or on a poster. Instead, it's actually life for their soul. And they see themselves within the very words of God. And that becomes rhema. So the rhema is the spirit of God enlivening the logos word of God to actually come to bear on our lives. Where all of a sudden, this general revelation of who God is becomes very specific to our hearts. And that's why this is so needed for our daily lives, because we need the Logos Word of God, which is this, the 66 books of the canon of Scripture that's available to us every single day. But what's needed is for the Spirit of God to come and enliven this text to make it applicable to our lives, to come and give us food for our soul, to give us direction and leading and guidance for daily life. So Logos is the written Word of God. Rhema is the spoken Word of God. Logos is the objective revelation of God. Rhema is the individual revelation of God to the human heart. Logos is the knowledge that's available to anyone who will hear it and read it. Rhema is a specific word spoken to a specific purpose or person in a specific situation. You can think of Logos, a specific text would be John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the Logos, was the son of God himself, who was God and was with God. That's the Logos. He just is, that he is, that he is. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's always, he always was, he always will be. That's the Logos of God. But Matthew 16 points us to the rhema of God. Matthew 16 is the story of Peter confessing Jesus as Lord. When Jesus asks Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but this was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. This revelation of Jesus walking and teaching on the earth, talking about the kingdom of God, all of a sudden was applied directly to Peter's life in such a way that he could confess Jesus as the son of the living God. Not just Jesus of Nazareth, but Jesus, the son of God. And that's the rhema. That's why it's needed, both for personal faith in Jesus. Y'all, everyone in this place, y'all have to have a rhema moment where you confess Jesus as Lord. That's Romans chapter 10, verse nine. But the issue becomes when we stop there and that doesn't translate to our daily life. That is now our food and our fuel for our faith for daily living. 
Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the rhema word of God, the spoken word of God to your life. And I, I believe this is why so many believers walk around starving, their souls starving, not looking too much different than the world around them. Because they forgot to continue as they began in Christ. That just like that moment when you prayed the prayer or you knelt down and confessed Jesus as Lord or raised your hand to respond to the gospel, just like that, that's how you're supposed to continue to live in this, in this place of personal revelation of the Lord's relevance to your daily life. So let's look at one more passage, Matthew chapter four, just to give you one more kind of illustration of how rhema is used. And these are the words of Jesus himself. As Jesus is being tempted, he deciphers between himself being the logos and our need for rhema the spoken word of God into our daily lives. This is what he says, Matthew chapter four, verse one. And Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse two, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, by every rhema word that comes from the mouth of God. This is now our way of life as children of God. And Jesus being the, the chief son, the chief child of God, demonstrating to us how we should now live. He says, our new sustenance, the new fuel for our faith in God is this rhema word of God, the spoken word of God that literally gives us sustenance and strength just like bread does, just like food does. So that is, that's rhema. Man shall not live by just bread alone, but by every word that comes, by every rainbow word that comes from the mouth of God. So what can that mean for our daily life? Because I promised you practical. I always get preaching, and uh, I, I promised you practical. So here it is. There, there are three things that I believe this can, three ways in which we can now translate this into our daily lives. And this is what I think is critical for these days to come. I believe there's, there's a real separation happening over these last couple of years, two years, and I believe that's only going to uh, accelerate in the days to come for the church. Um, and so just heed this, like heed this teaching and uh, write this down. This is the first one. Heart posture is everything. Heart posture is the way of the kingdom. Just like when you responded to Jesus at first, your heart had to be tender and realize that you were in need of a savior. So we continue in our walk with Christ. That word that we translate to heart in the New Testament is this repeated imagery throughout the New Testament speaking about our inner person. The, the Greek word's cardia, but it's referring to our inner person. So the, the, the posture of our inner person is literally everything because it's, it's, uh, it's the Lord that gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. So when our hearts are proud and self-sufficient and in need of nothing, we receive nothing. But when we're humble and hungry and dependent on the Lord for sustenance and strength, he just <laughs> opens up the floodgates upon our lives. And so hard posture is everything. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You know, to those who are, are proud and self-sufficient, who are righteous on their own, 
It's foolishness, but it's wisdom to those who are being saved. So there's this like just hunger for the wisdom of God to come and to come, uh, come to life upon, uh, in our hearts and lives. Jesus told us that we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we receive the kingdom like a child. And that's how we're called to continue, like a child. Childlike faith. And every day we approach this word with this childlikeness, saying, God, reveal yourself to me in a fresh way. Okay, second is this. So first is heart posture is everything. Second is this. Physical posture is helpful. Physical posture is helpful. There is like an interconnectedness to our person that I want us to acknowledge. This is very helpful for the Monday through Saturday. I want us to move beyond living from Sunday to Sunday. And instead, we see a people rise up that can live out this faith with Jesus in the context of family Monday through Saturday. And physical posture is helpful for that. Jesus himself, the God-man in the flesh, modeled this way of praying on his knees. So if the God-man prayed on his knees, I would think it would be helpful for us to sometimes get on our knees to posture ourselves before the Lord with an outward demonstration of humility and dependence on the Lord. Amen? Does that sound, sound right? This isn't just you know, outward expressions of worship or prayer. They're, they're not just symbolism. There is, there is truly this interconnectedness to who we are. I mean, we, we would all attest to the reality that if, that if you're Joyful on the inside, you'll probably be demonstrating it on the outside, right? Well, vice versa is also true. If you're really, really grumpy and crabby, it helps to smile sometimes. Like, it's just helpful. And so it works both ways. Yes, sometimes it is the overflow of what's happening, but sometimes we use physical posturing to put us in a position to receive from the Lord. And so I find myself pretty much on a daily basis, at one point or another, on my knees with the word of God open posturing myself to eat of his word, to receive from him, saying, Lord, I, I, cannot, I cannot receive from you just through mental ascent, through um, accumulation of more information. Lord, I need you to speak to my heart. And all of a sudden, the word just comes alive, comes jumping off the page into my heart, into my daily life, where he actually answers the questions on my heart and, and speaks to me in very relevant ways. That is the rhema word of God. So I would encourage you to physically posture yourself in a place to receive. Don't use your personality or your um, comfort level as an excuse to hold you back. I understand we're the Midwest, so we're all very reserved and we, we, uh, we don't show emotion or expression very often. I'm talking about just you and the Lord. So there's no... There's no showmanship, no, one, there's, no one's going to ridicule you. But when you're by yourself with the Lord, try lifting up your hands and say, Lord, I exalt you, I, I lift you high, there's nothing like you. Get on your knees and position yourself in a place to receive from him and you will see gr the grace of God just be poured out upon your life to receive from him, amen? So heart posture is everything. Physical posture is helpful. Third is do an inventory of what you're feeding on. Ask yourself that question, what are you feeding on? Jesus was the one who used this analogy of the word of God, the rhema word of God being like food that we eat. So I think it, it would um, be incumbent upon us then to ask that question, well, what are we feeding ourselves? Are we filled up with other junk food so we have no space for receiving from the Lord in the first place? I would 
propose to you this morning that the church, in the West especially, is largely starving. And so we see what I believe is this very uh, indiscernible difference between the church and, and the world uh, being a result of the, the church often feeding on the same things the world is feeding on. I'm not harping on us in some legalistic way. I'm trying to call our hearts to a place to actually receive from the Lord in a way that equips us to live out this life, live out this faith in this world. We get so used to filling ourselves with junk food. It's like we're just filling ourselves with candy. So when it comes to actually receiving the good stuff, the steak, like we got nothing, we got no room left. Because our minds are so distracted, so busy, all over the place, running wild, filling ourselves with, with sugar. After college, I um, traveled, I spent the summer in, in Africa drilling water wells, lived with a missionary family. And um, the, the lady in this, this couple, uh, elderly couple that I lived with, she was very, very thrifty, very frugal, so much so that she would serve me moldy bread. And, um, and I just like, grew accustomed to stomaching it and just, just eating it, literally blue bread I would eat and blue tortillas. And, and I would eat it. And I don't know why it always molded so quickly, but for whatever reason, it did. And I stomached it and I, I got used to it. But I often feel like the church is eating stagnant, old, moldy bread. Like we're, we're trying to live from Sunday to Sunday and trying to every once in a while pick something off YouTube or, or just live off this stuff that's stagnant. It's not living and active and it's not fresh. And the word of God, the rhema word of God is available for believers like fresh bread. And let me, let me clarify, I'm not talking about new revelation. That's why both logos and rhema are needed. Logos is the objective revelation of God that we as a collective of people can all say, yeah, this is the gospel, this is not the gospel. That's logos. Well, the rhema of God is the, the Holy Spirit alivening the logos to come to, to bear on our lives. And so both are needed. Logos keeps the rhema from going off the rails into some new revelation. I'm not talking about new revelation. I'm talking about fresh revelation. I'm talking about where it actually is fresh bread for our hearts and our souls, where it actually gives us strength and sustenance. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward because we're going to close here soon, which I know seems abrupt, but we're going to do it. Um, so we do not have to eat moldy bread. We don't have to get by on regurgitated food from others. We can come confidently before the throne of grace every single day to receive from him. So just imagine with me a tribe of people, a family of people that are eating on fresh bread every single day. And we come gathered together to hear a collective word from the Lord so he can send us out on mission to represent him in this world. That is meant, that's what the church of God is meant to be in, in these last days. Feeding on fresh bread. If you, you could all stand to your feet. We're going to respond to the Lord. I was reminded of this old message. I say old, it's relative. It was 10 years, 10 years ago, so it's not that old. Uh, there's a message by a pastor who pastors Times Square Church in New York City. His name is Carter Conlon. He was the successor for uh, David Wilkerson. Uh, if some of you are familiar with David Wilkerson. Um, but Carter Conlon spoke this message. I just believe it's only more and more relevant. It's only more and more like pressing that we ca capture this. He said, knowledge is increasing at an ever increasing rate. And this generation has fallen prey to what he calls surface miners. 
to people who profit from the supposed depths of Christ. People want to sit around the mouth of the mine of God's word and they, and they say, fill us with treasures, fill us with costly jewels from God's word, but they aren't willing to go down into the depths themselves. I've probably listened to that message a dozen times and it still just draws me to a deep hunger for the purity of God's word for myself. Like literally just this week, the Lord stopped me in my tracks because I came to a passage and I didn't understand what it said. Like that's all of us. Okay, that's all of us. That's me. I came to this passage. I didn't understand what it said. And I was tempted to go right to my computer and go on my little software that brings up all the commentaries to read what would be what other people have already regr- I mean, what other people have already digested with the Lord. It's been revealed to them. That stuff is is great and it's valuable and it's what centers us on the objective logos of God. But it shouldn't be our bread. It shouldn't be our sustenance. What what it should be is the Word of God wide open, and we ask Him, Lord, I don't understand this. Reveal this to my heart. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know what you're saying. And I don't believe that you you keep us in confusion and mystery, but instead you draw us closer to yourself. And so then all of a sudden, word of God opens. Not everything, and it's not always instant. But if we posture ourselves like that before the Lord, you'll see this journey unfold over your life of him allowing his word to come alive to you over a lifetime. So I believe in these these last days, there will be deception. There's gonna be half-truths. There will be a fallen way, but I also believe there's gonna be a mighty harvest and it's gonna come from a people, from a church that's alivened by the word of God, the living rhema of God. Let's all respond to the Lord. I know this is practical, this is teaching, but I still wanna give us space to respond to the Lord. If you'd all bow, bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you need to get your life right with the Lord, if you need to start a relationship with Jesus, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. Anytime we gather, it's a beautiful opportunity for that moment where the word of God becomes real to us, where Jesus himself becomes the the most important thing in the room and becomes the the reason for our being. And I always wanna give an opportunity for people to confess Jesus as Lord. So if you're here this morning and, and you'd say, Drew, I need to respond to Jesus by making him my savior and Lord. I need forgiveness in my life. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hand down. So if you raise your hand, or even if you didn't, you can pray a prayer like this. This is not a script. This is not a formula. This is a prayer from from your own heart saying Lord this morning I acknowledge you as my only hope acknowledging my need for you and you alone acknowledging you as the the only answer for my sin issue that I can't clean up my life I can't I can't do it I've tried and I'm finally coming to the end of myself and I'm, I'm saying Jesus I need you to wash me clean I need you to Help me have a new beginning. I want a new start in you. I want to be a new creation. Now just allow the love of God to wash over you. You've placed your faith in him. 
That's the work of the love of God to wash over you, to make you a new creation, to do a supernatural work. Do it, Lord. Do a new work in these individuals that have raised their hand. Do a work in their hearts that only you can do. Holy Spirit, speak over them the full inheritance that they have in you through the cross in your mighty, precious name. For those that prayed, prayed that prayer, can we give them a huge hand? Thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray over this church family that in these days that we would be found on our knees receiving from you fresh bread. That just like maybe we have a bread box on our kitchen counter, we'd come to the, the bread of your word as living and active, like a double-edged sword able to cut deep into our heart, speak to us, transform us, from glory to glory. I pray that upon this church family in this house. We're saying we're hungry, God. Pour out your grace upon us to receive from you in these days. And Lord, I speak against the spirit of discouragement, the voice of the enemy that would tempt people to stop going into the secret place, that would tempt people to busy themselves with other things or to take shortcuts but instead we would be a people that find ourselves sitting with you, receiving from you with fresh, fresh bread, fresh sustenance to live out our lives for you on this earth in your mighty name. Amen. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.